Center for Parent Youth Understanding and the CPYU Podcast Network, you're listening to The Word in Youth Ministry, a podcast by youth workers for youth workers, where we give insights, strategies, and helps for effectively teaching God's Word to our students. Here we are on episode 17 of the Word in Youth Ministry podcast. My name is Kyle. I'm the pastor of student ministry at Old North Church in Canfield, Ohio. And I'm here with my two friends, as always, Matt and Linda. Linda, how are you doing today in Florida? Doing great down here. And can you remind our listeners what your role is in your church and what the name of your church is? I'm the director of student ministry at Orangewood Church, just outside of Orlando. Yes, and then over in Austin, Texas, we have Matt. Matt, can you remind our listeners what the name of your church is and your role there? Yeah, I'm uh, I'm at Redeemer Presbyterian Church in San Antonio, Texas. So Austin is really just a suburb of uh, of San Antonio, in my view, a very lame suburb at that. Um, my, I'm the associate pastor of. Spiritual and if you're Sunday. a listen, if you're listening right now in Austin, Matt Matt really does love you. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's a wonderful fight between Austin and San Antonio and we do love our Austinites though. I have to say that our tacos are a lot better than theirs. And what's your, what's your role at that church? The associate pastor of spiritual formation here. Yes. So as we are here in episode 17, we're three youth workers that are talking together about how to teach the Bible to students in our youth ministries. And we have a guest, not only are we in Ohio, in Florida and Texas today. We have a guest, Dr. Walt Mueller, who is in Pennsylvania today. He is the founder and president of the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. And Walt, we are so happy to have you here on this podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me, Kyle. And I want to say uh, thank you to the three of you because you've done a great job on this. I am, I'm thrilled that we're able to do this podcast. I'm, I'm happy to be on here, but I'm even happier that the three of you are doing this. I, I listen to you all the time. I haven't driven off the road yet. Uh, while I'm listening or tripped over anything. It's always good, and I love it. I love the last episode on teaching students about heaven and hell. That was awesome. Well, Walt, we are so happy to have you here on episode 17. I remember uh, probably approaching a year ago when you you and I first had a conversation about possibly launching this podcast. It's exciting seeing uh, the conversations and the people we've been able to talk to through it and now being able to have you on today. Uh, And before we jump into our topic of today, talking about your new book, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture, I was hoping you could just help our listeners. Uh, Some of our listeners are familiar with you. Uh, They found our podcast through CPYU, but others have not. Can you just explain for us a little bit uh, about the history of CPYU and just how you've been um, just uh, learning and just navigating culture and youth ministry over the decades? Yeah. So the simple quick story, I'll make it as quick as possible about how we got started, was I was a youth pastor in the Philadelphia area, had a group of parents in the 1980s come to me and say, hey, we need some help. We don't understand the the world of our kids. Can you help us understand it? And they they knew uh, we, we were really helping them understand that they were the ones primarily responsible for the spiritual nurture of their kids and that we were there to assist them. So they knew that they needed to really equip themselves to be to be better at, at cross-cultural missions work because the culture was changing so fast. So uh, long story short, we started to help them unpack and understand youth culture in ways that would facilitate uh, good conversations between them and their kids about how to navigate the issues that kids were facing at that point in, in time, cultural history, and uh, 
it was it was pretty neat to see what happened. What the Lord did through that is students and their parents were able to have good conversations about things that mattered, and we just started to to realize, man, there's a need for this everywhere. And others had heard about what we were doing at that particular church, so they would ask me you know, come over to my church. Would you speak to my parents about these things? And we started to see just how deep the need was, prayed about it. And uh, after a year of me fighting the call to do this full time and my wife fighting me to say yes to it because she, she's a lot wiser than I am, uh, we decided to do this full time. So for 32, almost 33 years now, We've been working through CPYU to to provide information and analysis on on youth culture from a Christian perspective because we want our kids, we want our parents, we want the church to be able to, you know, assume their proper place in the world and and uh, be a be a presence of salt and light. Yeah, and Walt, one of the things that I appreciate about you, and I know so many others do is you have been a voice not only of helping youth workers and parents and teachers navigate culture, but doing it through a biblical mindset and, and putting on what I like to call the glasses, the uh, biblical worldview in order to see things through. And so we just want to say thank you uh, for what you've done for youth workers like us. But we're also excited to talk with you today about uh, one of your um, books that you've written. Uh, like I said earlier, um, your most recent, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. Um, I would just recommend any youth worker listening. The RYM, Reformed Youth Ministry Track Series, has been a go-to resource for me. I just ordered a few more of their latest book. Um, but you wrote this one on a student's guide to navigating culture. And before we jump in and talk about it, I was wondering, can you just tell our listeners, one, why you wrote this book, and two, how this book is different from others that you have written previously? Yeah, so uh, we mentioned before we started to record, we were talking back and forth here that I, I really think I've said this. I, I think this might be the most important book I've ever written. It's actually the shortest, and I know I know people like to read shorter now, uh, but I think it's one of the most important because it actually is written for students about a skill that I think is is non-negotiable. I think it's one that we have not trained our students well in. We haven't trained our adults in the church well in how to think about how faith impacts all of life, what does it mean for how I live my life day by day, especially with the fact that the culture, especially now with, you know, smartphones, man, our students having them 24-7 and having access to everything in the world, I like to say that that the uh, culture, especially through our smartphones now, it's uh, the culture's catechizing our kids 24-7 and having conversations with our kids about, you know, the way the world is and the way the world should be and and what it means to uh you know develop an identity and who you need to be how you need to see yourself and others and unfortunately the culture typically when we think about the order of the world you know the world the flesh and the devil the culture gets it gets it wrong and like you said kyle i want to be able to see students and adults put on those corrective lenses of the scriptures and see all of life through God's eyes, all of life through through God's you know order and design, and then live in response to that to God's glory. So you know, I was I was trained well when I was when I was growing up and in college, and then when I went to work in the Pittsburgh area in campus ministry, I was trained well in the whole notion and idea of worldview, and that's just in my in my blood, and uh, it it just makes complete sense to me. And when you look at the scriptures, it makes even more complete sense to me. So. We want kids to see the world through that. 
Yeah. And so if you're listening today in the show notes, uh, there'll be a link to buy this book or you can find it anywhere uh, that you buy books. But let's jump into a conversation here. Linda, why don't you uh, start us out by uh, just guiding this next part of the conversation? Sure. So one of the things that's in the book that we want to make sure we talk about is this model you've come up with where you look at the world, the word, and then our walk. Um, if you could talk briefly through what that model is and then uh, tell us what led you to come up with this model. Were there particular needs you were seeing or just what was behind that? Yeah. So, well, let me ask, answer that second part first. And, and mm -hmm. that is, yeah, there, there is a need that, you know, in, in life, um, or in church life and in, and in the world of uh, Christian faith, I was seeing increasingly in students and, and in adults, you know, something that's a struggle for all of us, and that's the reality of, of our calling to be disciples of Jesus Christ and, and to do so to integrate our faith into every area of life. In other words, Christian faith, the Christian faith is, is not just about salvation. It's like one of my friends said, it's not just your, you know, get out of hell free card. Uh, basically what it is, it's, you know, you, you start in a relationship with God that God calls you into and gifts you with through his grace. And then, and then from there, we start to live every moment in every square inch to God's glory. And I saw that that wasn't happening. You know, when I talk to youth workers, a lot of times I'll hear them say that what they're trying to do in youth ministry is, I'll hear it stated this way, I just want to bring kids to Jesus. And the, the problem with that is, I mean, that's that granted, I mean, that's what we're supposed to be doing. But then we need to teach them how to walk with Jesus, because Jesus does say, in fact, come as you are. But he never says stay as you are. And, and you know, we all know that. And so what we want to do is, is see our kids learn how to apply their faith to, to every area of life. So that's why I started to do this. And I thought maybe there's a way that we can develop a simple little paradigm that would become, through practice, teaching and practice, a second nature skill that will serve kids for the rest of their lives all the way through adulthood, where everything they face and everything that they encounter in life is filtered through God's Word, and especially as that relates to culture. So as you said, Linda, you know, first you look at the world, and of course it's all these W letters, right? We've done this before with our 3D guide where we talk about discover, discern, and decide. Well, this in this in this way we're looking at, you know, the world. You know, what is the what is the world saying about this, that, or the other thing? What is the, where is the culture leading me? How is the culture catechizing me? And then we go to the word and we put what we've what we've learned from the world or heard from the world under the light of God's Word to see, does it measure up? Can we celebrate and affirm this according to God's Word and embrace it in our lives? Or does God's Word challenge this? Does God's Word tell us that we need to turn from this and maybe live another way? And, and so it's putting the world under the lens of God's Word and then going a step further and saying, okay, well, application, what difference does this make for my life? How is this going to guide my walk? as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a, as a disciple. And, you know, part of my fear is, and, and, you know, we've all seen this. I mean, this is a battle we fight, uh, you know, that, 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 that we, what we're, we tend to see more and more in the church is that God's Word is being evaluated under the light of the world that we read the word through a cultural lens. Now, we always do, right? I mean, there's always cultural biases, but I'm saying we're changing God's word based on, you know, where the winds are blowing in the world, the spirit of the times. 
And it's the opposite that should be happening. So I'm hoping that this would be a quote-unquote game changer for kids as as they, you know, recalibrate or reboot their lives. Well, can I ask you, is there, can you model this kind of briefly, like with a certain, can you just think of a certain cultural phenomenon that we're going through right now and show us, okay, how do we, what does the world say and how does the word um, analyze that? Yeah. So, and that's a good question, man. And I knew when I wrote this that I had to include some examples of how to do this. And the last couple of chapters actually do that. One chapter talks about the issue of gender. And then, you know, and gender identity and all of that, you know, because that's 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 an area right now. There's a lot of chatter about in the culture and then also one on social media. So let me settle on the social media one. You know, so if my faith doesn't have anything to do with my life, then I can do and be whatever I want to do and be on social media. And we know that social media is uniquely designed, at least the way that kids and adults live into social media right now is to not be ourselves, to try to, you know, fabricate and and curate and promote an idealized self that's really not who we are. That undermines uh, our identity formation. It leads us away from finding our identity in Christ. It undermines community because when I come together with real flesh and blood people, if I have to keep up appearances based on how I'm, you know, presenting myself on social media and I don't want to let my guard down and let people see who I really am, uh, you know, I really can't get close to people. And that undermines community in the body of Christ. You know, it's just an example of that. So uh, if if Jesus truly is to be the Lord of all of life, then it would make sense that, you know, we have to be disciples. I love what Tim Challey said. He got me thinking about this years ago in his book, The Next Story, where he talked about digital discipleship. So, so what does that mean then for world, word, and walk? Well, there's a lot that you could talk about there, but, you know, the world is basically saying, you know, you need to get the likes, you need to get the, you know, just put stuff up there, just be present, that kind of thing. And so what, what one thing I came up with that I talk about in the book is this concept of taking a pause, a purposeful pause, because social media lends itself to putting things up there without really thinking about it, you know, responding or you know, just just going ahead and doing things without ever thinking about what this means or who I'm glorifying or, you know, even something as simple as is are there consequences for this later in my life that I'm not thinking about for what I'm putting up there. So what we're trying to do is move out of that way of thinking that's in the world, and then we go to God's Word. And we look at things like, you know, in the Proverbs where we're told to you know, don't speak, don't speak before you think, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, what it means to be wise, and, you know, how do I start to post things with some wisdom, and what does it mean? I mean, there are tons of scriptures that we look at with this, but even just the, the general sense of, you know, what's the difference between glorifying myself and narcissism and and endeavoring to glorify God in, in everything that I do and maintain a posture of humility. So when you look at what the world's saying through God's word, you're going, wow, we get it wrong there. And then what I did was say, okay, here's some steps you can take as you walk to the glory of God in that in this place of social media and some questions you can ask yourself before you post things. Like, why am I doing this? Does this matter? 
does this bring honor and glory to me? Does it bring honor and glory to God? Am I glorifying the kingdoms of the world, the flesh, and the devil? You know, questions like that. And the book really, you know, in that chapter, it unpacks that in some very practical ways. And Walt, at the end of this chapter that you wrote on social media, which, Matt, this was a a great question because I think we can always have paradigms in our mind, things that we should think through, but it's helpful to have examples of what they look like. One of the questions that you ask at the end of this chapter is, how can you shift your habits in order to glorify and worship God through your social media use? And Walt, I know you've trained a lot of youth workers and parents and even grandparents and teachers on social media use. As we just think practically about um, the the last W walk, how have you helped parents and, and youth workers think through habits that they are setting that are setting an example for their students? Well, I think you know trying one one thing would be you know like let's say on Instagram now or or Facebook we see a lot of parents who are living through the achievements of their kids or living vicariously through their kids so. I've worked hard to challenge parents to not do that. You know, don't put your kids out there. And it's interesting because, you know, for a long time we were saying that. No one ever knew how kids would actually feel about that. But now that kids are coming of age, there's some research out there that says that they're looking at what their moms and their dads have posted uh, on social media about them, and, and they're lamenting that. They're angry about that. They're calling their parents out on that. You know, why did you do that? And so I think just practically speaking, functionally speaking, there's a way, you know, there's one way to do that. But, I, but again, you know, find your, you know, I, I say to parents, you know, find your identity and who you are as someone made in the image of God and loved by Jesus Christ. When God looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Christ. You do not need to build yourself up in, in, in any way before people in the world, and yet we're, we're just so we're arrogant, you know, with so much that we put out there. And, and, and I try to tell people, including myself, obviously, this is your default setting to do the wrong thing, you know, because of sin and brokenness. This is your default setting. So you have to think consciously about this. Yeah, that's super helpful because what you just did, maybe without even realizing it, is you just walk backwards, walk into the word and what the word says, which helps us view the world. So this is a great conversation we're having here on episode 17 with Walt Mueller. Uh, We're going to take a quick break and then come back and continue discussing his book, A Student's Guide to Navigating Culture. Hey, youth workers, this is Walt Mueller from CPYU. I want to encourage you to expand your ministry to parents by working to encourage, educate, and equip them to effectively nurture their kids in the faith in the midst of our rapidly changing youth culture. One of our most popular free resources, our Youth Culture Today Daily One Minute Podcast, is designed to help you do just that. You can find an archive of hundreds of episodes on our website at cpyu.org, or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Expand your ministry to parents by pointing them to our Youth Culture Today podcast. Welcome back to the Word and Youth Ministry Podcast. This is episode 17, where we're having a conversation with Walt Mueller and his book, Navigating Culture. And Walt, um, I know you've interacted with so many youth ministries. Um, and so my, my question for you is a, a little bit of a general one, but it's what ways do you see our youth ministries and our youth these days assimilate culture too much? Yeah, 
Boy, that's a good one. You know, and I it, it's really interesting to me because when we started uh, doing this, you know, over 30 years ago, the, the kinds of things that parents and youth workers asked about were, you know, peer pressure, substance abuse, uh-huh. talk about music and media, things like that. And now I think the big issues we really have to look at are those that are, are beneath those. You know, those are symptomatic of deeper issues, obviously, in our culture. And so one of those that we've talked about, Matt, that I think it would offer kind of a big answer to your question would be what, if anybody's read Carl Truman's stuff or Robert Bell or Charles Taylor, Expressive Individualism, Carl talks about that quite a bit, which is basically, you know, my my main my main trajectory in life is to be authentic to who I am and to express myself in faithfulness to who I am, which is really based on emotions and feelings. And I I, I think in, in many ways, you know, and I was guilty of this early on and hopefully not so much anymore, but I think it's so easy for us in youth ministry to lean into that and cater to a student's felt needs as they may express them in one way or another as opposed to their real needs. And the problem there is the more we do that, the more we tend to do that because we we tend when we do that to get the kind of results that I think impress us, impress other people, and make us feel like we're making a difference. And usually that means that more kids are coming um, or more kids are saying, hey, this is great. Uh, and, and sometimes, many times, what happens is we sacrifice, we waste time, and we sacrifice opportunities to really take our, our students deep. And I think over time, you know, so so some of the ways that I've seen that work itself out is, um, you know, maybe in the music we sing, uh, we sing things that are more self-centered, human-centered than God-centered. That's a whole nother 20 podcasts you guys can do on that. Um Maybe sometimes we lean less into teaching the Bible and theology, which is what you, you folks here are talking about uh, on all these podcasts, and we lean more into the fun and the games. And, you know, the, the three, I mean, you, you would all agree those things are important. We need to have those. I certainly incorporated that into my youth ministry, the fun and the games. And uh, But sometimes we sacrifice uh, truth and opportunities for nurture and growth on the altar of of relevance and so I, I think those are some of the ways that we have you know caved to the culture functionally I, I don't know any well maybe maybe there are people who would say philosophically you know <laughs> that's what we need to do but I think it's just a slippery slide we take and maybe one day we wake up and say you know what in the world was I doing um, you know, in, in the long run. And there's much that I lament about my early years in youth ministry, and, and it's related to that. So in some ways, it's really nothing new under the sun. But that that would be my, my, my quick answer, uh, if you think that was quick, uh, to your question. Uh, one of the things I wanted to mention as we were talking about this um, just to kind of draw a connection for our listeners, there's a way in which this conversation is reminding me of something we talked about in episode 14 with Jonathan Holmes, where he was talking about a lot of the time in our teaching, we start with the word and then we apply it to life. Whereas in the counseling, we're starting with their life and then saying, hey, where does the word connect to that? I think what this model is doing is very similar where it's saying, hey, we need to start with what's going on in the world. What is the world telling us? 
and then drawing the connections from the word, but what does the word say about this? And I think that's such an important skill that we have to develop. We have to be able to go both ways with that, right? Um, and so just a question to throw at you about this, um, Walt, is like, what, what are some of the ways that you've seen or heard of youth ministries using this kind of a model or, or this material in the book? Yeah, I, you know what, uh, I think Kyle's a good example of that, and, and he can talk a little bit about that. I've, I've had, we've had lots of folks, you know, buy 10, 20 packs of them and have students walk through it, and then there's folks like Kyle who are um, meeting more individually rather than in large groups with, with students to, to work through this. But I, I do want to say, and, and Kyle, you can talk to that, but Linda, that was a good observation. Um, and, and you really made me think there. You sparked my thinking on that in that my desire with this is always to lead students into, into Bible study, right, to look at the Scriptures. And there's just a wonderful way to do this when you start with what the world says and then you look at what the, what the Scriptures say. It's, it's just a very natural way to lead kids into Bible study and launch from a, you know, from a starting point that will be interesting to them. In other words, rather than saying, hey, hey, today, you know, we're, we're going to look at the story of Noah and just teach teach about Noah, you know, to, to start with an issue, let's say, you know, everyone does what's is doing what's right in their own eyes. You could, <laughs> you could preach off just about anything in the in the Old Testament with that. Um, you know, let's start with that. And what does the scripture say about that? And let's, you know, look at that. So you're you're bringing the Bible to real life. And and I like the way you said that, Linda. You know, starting that way, I just I just think it's it's uh, it's just so neat to see that. And 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 kids walk away and go, okay, yeah, the Bible is not just a disjointed book of rules. It, there's a there's an arc to this story, and it does apply to my life. The Bible truly does speak to everything. And like you mentioned, Walt, I have been using this book with students. Uh, one of the things that I am thankful for is that, as you said earlier, uh, this might be your most important book, but it's also your shortest book. That You can put this book in the hand of students and they can read it in a short amount of time, especially if you cut it into two or three meetings. But one thing that I found helpful, and I would just recommend to youth workers, especially it can seem daunting if you've never read a book with a student to say, okay, what does this look like? How do I do this? is if you read this book and read it with a student in two or three meetings, then you can meet with another student and another student and another student, and you don't have to read it again and again and again, right? Uh, you can multiply the work that you've been doing, and the more that you discuss it with students, uh, the better you're going to know it yourself. But I have two freshman boys, one I meet with weekly on Sundays before church, and the other one who's homeschooled, I meet with Monday mornings at a coffee shop. And both of them, uh, I've, I've read through it with both of them, but one thing that I found helpful with this book is when you read it, uh, there's a main point at the end of each chapter and discussion questions. So you can throw stuff out and actually work through paradigms like this. Um, and what it's doing is it is supplementing the other Bible teaching that we're doing uh, with our students. So I'd highly recommend that, not only this book, um, but the other ones in the RYM track series. Um, Walt, as we continue thinking about this, um, one thing that I think would be helpful uh, for myself, maybe I'm asking this, uh, for myself, but for us and for uh, youth workers in general, is what would be some good further resources that you would say, um, you know, culture is raging, things are changing quickly, the word never changes, 
um, what would be some good resources you'd want to put in the hand of youth workers to help them um, just learn how to think about these things and how to better teach them to their students? Yeah, so so two books that come to mind right away that are a little more contemporary. One would be uh, Steve Turner, and we've had him on our Youth Culture Matters podcast a couple of times. Steve's over in the UK. He's a poet. He's a rock critic. He's been around for some time, and he wrote a book a few years ago called Pop Cultured, and it really is a way of looking at everything in culture through the scriptures. It is extremely insightful, and I I just had a group of uh, graduate and undergraduate students up in Canada in a in a school I teach at up there. They read it and they had to write response papers, and it's been fascinating to me to see how his ideas have been transformative for them, and a lot of it relates to you know, how how they've been brought up theologically to relate to culture, either, you know, one extreme or the other, either running from culture or not thinking about culture at all, and, and then winding up, as Matt asked, you know, assimilating so much of culture in their life. So Steve Turner, Pop Cultured. And then um, Tony Ranke's book, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You, and we had Tony on our podcast as well. I love that book. I had the students read that. And I had them write response papers where they had to tell me, you know, what are the three, you know, Renke lists these 12 ways our, our technology is changing us and, and really undermining our human flourishing and our humanity. And I said, you know, what are the three top ways uh, that Renke mentions that you see evidenced in your students? And what are the three top ways you see evidenced in your own life? Eye-opening. And, you know, that I think is the kind of that's the kind of stuff we need to read and the kind of exercises we need to engage in so those are a couple of good ones and then um you know dick staub who's an old friend and uh, he's up in the northwest now he wrote a book called the culturally savvy christian and then another book called two christian two pagan which is a great title because it's if you're truly engaging with culture the way that jesus calls us to you know john 17 is is the prayer uh, night before his death for for all of his followers in all types of places to be in, but not of the world, you know when you when you're doing that, you're too Christian for your pagan friends and too pagan for your Christian friends, and I loved that book. That was really formative for me. And then John Stott's book, The Contemporary Christian, which to me is just a a classic on this and and a good theology, you know, to help to help walk you through this. Thanks for those resources, Walt. I, I'm wondering if you could speak to that youth worker out there who says, you know, I I really want to be um, biblically faithful, but I also have to be culturally relevant to speak to my students. Like, what would you, what, what are some words of encouragement that you would give to him or her? Yeah, well, I mentioned John Stott, and I think John Stott gives us some good marching orders when he talks about dual listening, you know, and, and this is something I've been communicating to youth workers and parents for a long time because it's basic cross-cultural missions theory that we have to listen to both the Word and the world. And we, we listen to the Word, as Stott says, in order to move ourselves closer and more deeply into God's will and God's way. We listen to the world in order to know you know, where the light of God's Word needs to be brought. Karl Barth, you know, is famous for saying every Christian needs to start their day with a Bible on one hand and the newspaper in the other, and that would, you know, that's basically the same thing. So just taking a little bit of time every day to to, to really balance that out. Of course, the scales need to tip in favor of God's Word, and that's what transforms us. And and I think what will happen then, and, you know, I go back to what, what Linda asked um, or, or was, you know, talking about in terms of, 
you know, how we start with the world and then move um, into the, to the Word. You know, Jesus did this in the Sermon on the Mount. This is really what this book is about, and I encourage youth workers and parents to do this as well. You know, where people believed one thing. Now, we were talk- he's talking about the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, but, but I'm sure many, many times in his ministry he would say something like, you have heard it said that, and he would lay out what the people believed, and then he would say, but I tell you. And I just think that is a brilliant very practical way to have conversations with with students to get them to say, okay, I've listened to you in your world. This is what you're hearing. But here's another way of looking at it and lay out the kingdom realities and the kingdom priorities and bring the light of God's word to bear on that. And that's a that's a great way for a youth worker or a parent to be to be culturally relevant. Well thanks for sharing that because I think so often as Matt asked in that question youth workers can feel like we have to pick one or the other and we feel pressure that like we want to be bible people right we don't want to veer away from the bible but we also don't like we need to speak into culture because that's that's where our students are living right and they're living in a culture that every day they have to navigate so that's a helpful way uh for us to think about that and i do want to say too walt i know uh as we as we end this podcast in this conversation i know we joke around you laugh uh that when we when we say that you've been following youth uh, ministry and youth culture for decades, uh, that that really does mean that you're old. Uh, but we do. Uh, w- when I say that, I do want to say, um, as we end this, that you know, uh, the Bible talks about giving honor to those who deserve honor. And I just want to thank you personally. We want to thank you for the work that you've done for youth workers over the decades. Um, because as we so often say, uh, the youth ministry landscape is so fascinating, and there's so many youth workers who are trying to figure out how to navigate teaching our students what God would have them. And I just know that um, in my own life personally, and for the three of us and those even listening to this podcast and many more, um, God has used you to help shape us. So I just want to say thank you uh, for that. And I do want to let our listeners know too, um, on one of the other CPYU podcasts, Youth Culture Matters, um, episode 136, uh, we had another conversation about this book. Um, So if you want to hear more about Walt's heart behind this book and why he wrote it, um, that's episode 136 of CPYU's podcast, Youth Culture matters. So this has been episode 17 of the Word in Youth Ministry. Again, we'd love to hear from you. If, if you have any feedback or questions, uh, you can email us at the word in YM at cpyu.org. That's the word in YM at cpyu.org. And we look forward to talking to you on our next episode. Thanks for listening to The Word in Youth Ministry. To learn more about CPYU and the resources mentioned on today's podcast, visit us online at cpyu.org.